and welcome to Fans of the Genre, Episode 7 for December 12, 2016. I'm Brian Swanson. I'm Mikey Krieger. And I'm Tits McGee. Wait, that's what this document says. Uh, that's I not, got that's you. not my name. <laughs> I got Who you. did this? Who put this in there? That was me. Oh, man. Hey. Darn um, it. You'll read anything on know. the prompter. I, <laughs> I don't know my name. Uh, I'm Rose this Clark. It's horrible for new listeners. That's true. Thanks the, for listening. This um, could be anybody's first episode, Rhodes. Why would you say that? Don't start with this episode. <laughs> we'll tweet it out not to start with this episode. Yeah. Um, uh, we're back in the saddle. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm back. After a, a fun week. Uh, thank you so much to Kevin Hong for joining us last week to talk about esports. We got a single piece of feedback regarding that episode. It from was from me, friend. and I hated it because I wasn't well, on it. And we got a second piece of feedback uh, <laughs> from Taylor <laughs> Larson who said that episode six was really good. He never actually paid attention to esports before um, outside of the Evo fighting tournament. Um, which is actually kind of where I came from, too, which I probably should have mentioned. Um, I went to Evo once. Dude, why didn't you say anything about that last week? <laughs> uh, I didn't really know what to appreciate there, and it was just a bunch of CRT TVs and, like, <laughs> fighting games. But I got a t-shirt. That's cool. I like yeah. watching the uh, the Smash Brothers and Street Fighter tournaments because I can understand those a little bit more than the other ones. Yeah, I I really enjoy watching Overwatch. Um, that's my probably my favorite to spectate, but... That's because you play it so much, you can understand like what everyone's thinking and kind of. Yeah, but even though like I haven't played it since the Olympic Games uh, promotion that they were doing, and I can still mm-hmm. like, kind of sit and watch it, even with like new characters and maps that I don't know, and like with the yeah. met, with the meta changing, and I'm still like into it. I think it's just because it's like a really colorful, fun, accessible game, and like it doesn't take much to understand it, at the very least like the roles and yeah, um, the kind of tone of everything where like. In something like CS:GO, it's so much more complex, and um, and like also not really being able to tell the characters apart in a big shooter like that. Like I think Overwatch is really accessible in that way. But uh, totally, another one that I watch for a game that I don't understand and don't know how to play well is uh, Hearthstone, just because like because oh. it's like yeah. another like colorful and like accessible game, mm-hmm. also from Blizzard. Um, that like you kind of like if you have played like any kind of trading card game, you kind of at least understand like when something happens what happens like well yeah they make it very clear like oh that person got hurt or like that monster's destroyed and yeah i think they do a pretty good job of explaining yeah we're like i I personally like just don't have the mental capacity to like understand like what all's in my deck and like what synergies Mm -hmm. i need to make but like once you kind of see it happening you're like oh shit like you piece it together like as it's happening even though like you don't have the the foresight we're like I can see what somebody's doing in chess, but I'm really bad at like predicting like three or four moves ahead. So yeah. like, I like Hearthstone in that way. Like, That's cool. Yeah, I, I never thought I did, but I, I was just wandering packs a couple of years ago, and like they're just in a corner had a Hearthstone tournament. And I just like found myself sitting there for like 45 minutes. And I was like, oh, I n- had never been into an esport before, but I just spent 45 minutes at a show where there's games that aren't coming out for a year that I could just go play, and yeah. I spent that time just hanging out watching. A free uh, game that you could play on your phone right then and there. Exactly, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, hey, are we still allowed to like poke a little bit of fun at esports? Uh, we've d- had a guest. I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> cool. As long as we're not, you know, malicious. No. I also make fun of sports too, so yeah. I think it's equal. What's like the derivative, derogatory, like equivalent of sports ball when you compare it to um, esports? Like MOBA. 
Fest or something. Something. Anyway, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. I, know. I just well, think of mechanical keyboards and yeah, <laughs> so clickety clacking. Uh, one of my really oh, good that f- clack fest. Uh, one of my really good friends is actually Yahoo's uh, esports reporter for uh, Street Fighter. And I, what's his name? Uh, Michael DeMartin. Shout I don't out, who that is. Yeah, uh, he he's a really cool dude. He's up also up here in Seattle. Um, I think actually you did meet him at uh, an IGN party where where I introduced you to Max. Oh yeah, that, that's where there? I met him. Um, he's really cool. I'm gonna go find his Twitter handle so I can promote him. I think it's Bizarro Mike. But okay, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Michael Martin Bizarro underscore Mike. Well, we're gonna talk about the games we've played and yeah. a couple of um, other things that have surfaced into our little brains. Yeah. But first, it seems like Mikey, you might have an apology to make. Yeah, I do. Um, a couple weeks ago, we got into our the Great Potato Gate 2016 argument, uh, where I said that baked potatoes were the worst delivery mechanism for potatoes. Um, and I agreed. Yes. And I didn't. Until <laughs> I remembered that potato salad exists. Oh, thank you. Yes, worst. potato salad is awful. Yeah. Garbage. So I Bad. I apologize for besmirching uh, baked potatoes in, the, in that way, falsely putting them below potato salad. Potato salad's fucking awful. So I apologize to you, Brian. (laughs) I apologize to the tinfoil wrapped potatoes that we all enjoy, even if Mm -hmm. some enjoy it more than others. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Potato salad, the fucking worst. It's the pits. Yeah. I don't wrap my baked potatoes in tinfoil. Thank you very much. But I'm glad that we could find common ground in our hatred for potato or potato salad. Maybe mayonnaise. (laughs) Yeah. Like anything mayonnaise based, I cannot enjoy. So I used to be very anti-mayo, um, and now I can have it on things if I'm not thinking about it. But, like, potato salad it, is it has all to, mayo. It has to be, like, the smallest trace amounts of mayonnaise. Yeah, and, like, I'll do an aioli. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Mayo. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, it might just be mayo, but at least it tastes like something else. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> cool. Brian, do you like mayo? No, and when it's on something that I eat, I think about it for, like, the next week. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, have, have you guys oh, seen Undercover that. Brother? Uh, no. Yeah, uh, no. The, the Eddie Griffin movie? Oh, my gosh, it's so great. Um, Maybe? Yeah, it's it's kind of like a black exploitation spoof movie with Eddie Griffin, Dave Chappelle, a um, handful of other great actors. I think Chris, oh, Cat- I Chris Catan's the villain. Um, hmm. But he, he's, he goes undercover as, like, it's just, like, 70s, like, soul guy who's like an undercover agent and he goes undercover as a white dude and so they're trying to train him to like nice. mayonnaise and so like they give him a, a, a watch with a secret hot sauce dispenser and he just like drains this like mayonnaise sandwich and hot sauce and like that's how <laughs> that's how i would need to enjoy a mm-hmm. sandwich with mayonnaise on. i need to just drown it out and like some something frank's else. red hot or something ketchup okay we should have an entire segment in the future dedicated to the best hot sauce because i oh my god uh, yeah i have my I have roommate some... and i are uh aficionados We'll bring Evan on just to, to talk notes. about hot sauce. No, uh, yeah, like yeah, he he would absolutely love that. Like his That's dad funny. just sent him home with a, a care package of just an assortment of hot sauces randomly. Like That's what my dad does summer. for Christmas. Like he'll just get me. But see, this this sauces. wasn't even for Christmas. He just went home to visit for like a weekend and his dad just sent him home with this like package of like hot sauce samplers and there's like two dozen different hot sauces in there. Wow. Love it. It's great. So video games. Yeah, this is a video game podcast um, brought to you by fans of video games. Um, we've played them. I actually yeah. played something other than Titanfall 2 this week. We actively play video games. Yeah. 
It's yes. actually how I identify. I'm a gamer through yeah. and through. Gamer um, first. When, Hashtag gamer. When someone <laughs> when someone asks me what I do, I'm like, oh, dude, I'm climbing the leaderboards. I play the video I'm, games. I play the video games. I get the high scores, and I. Uh, Oh, I can't even pretend. Um, Put them in my Twitter bio. Yeah, check out my Twitter bio. Um, Gamer first. Start? Can I start? I never start with this with this section. Yeah, yeah. You, sh- you should start. Um, Very tease the audience. Yeah. So, I played some Telltale games, but I'm going to save that one for later. Cool. Um, but I'd like to talk about my brief uh, re-entry into No Man's Sky. Um, okay. So, for people who don't no, No Man's Sky is a first-person space exploration game where every single planet is randomly generated for you as soon as you land on it, basically, I think, or as soon as you discover it. Um, no, it's not these, randomly generated. The, the, the universe in the game was procedurally ge- generated, so right. they, like, the worlds weren't handcrafted, but it's not like whenever you go to okay. one, it's randomly made for you. Sure, okay. So the universe already exists, but, it's all, but it was... Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um... And I haven't played it since my last save was September 5th. So it's been a while. Yeah. Um, and I, they released this huge update that fixed a lot of problems people had with it. Um, it's, it's a fine game. but I, So I, I revisited it, and I was on a space station, and I immediately just hopped in my ship and flew to the closest planet, which happened to be a moon of a planet that I'd already discovered. Um, I haven't discovered this moon yet. but And I landed on it, and I immediately remembered like why I was so interested in it for in the first place. And it's just like just being able to wander around a planet and not have any real objectives can sometimes be like really freeing and just sort of, you just, if you just let that game kind of wash over you, you sort of forget all the problems that are with it. Um, but like it was like a pinkish planet with like electric blue water and kind of an orange horizon line and it was just really cool and there was no plants and there as far as i could tell there were no animals as well so i could just wander and like the the planet around which this moon orbits was like right in the horizon and it was just this huge semicircle you know it was just like like it took up your entire field of view and i just wanted to i just kept walking closer and closer to it until like it, it was all i could see and I don't know. It was really nice to revisit that, even if it was literally just for like 20 minutes. And then, of course, when I wanted to get back into my ship, I had wandered so far away and there was no like transportation beacons. There was no like there's no way for me to get back to my ship without <laughs> walking all the way back. So I was yeah. like, OK, uh, I'm not going to play this game tonight anymore. Yeah. But I might revisit it some more because I like that feeling of just like being lost in space, basically. Yeah. Like all the bugs aside in that game. Uh, mm mm-hmm. Uh, which that's how my game ended. I clipped through the earth and I couldn't get out. So I was, <laughs> I was stuck in this, like just the, the empty middle of an earth. And like, I didn't have grenades, so I can like blast my way through the ground and try to sneak out. Like, uh, and it created both, like it automatically saves twice for you. So, and like mm-hmm. no. my, my last actual save was so far back. So I just gave up on it. But even before then, um, I was kind of like, still debating on whether or not I wanted to keep playing it. Uh, all of my yeah. planets were either like totally barren moons or like very dangerously radiated planets. So they were all that kind of like call of duty four or fallout, like brown and gray color palette. 
they all mm. just sort of look the same. Yeah. And so like my yeah. first planet was like extremely radiated. So it threw extra systems at me immediately at the gate. And it's a game that doesn't really explain anything to you. Right. And you have so, to upgrade those systems to be able to like deal with them. You have to upgrade exactly. your suit and stuff. So like if you're immediately thrown into a really hostile area, you're kind of boned for a little bit. Exactly. So like that's how I started the game. And the planet was like larger than interesting. Like I, I, I really did just get like have some really bad luck in the planets that I ended up getting populated near. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I, I think I uninstalled it to make room for something else and like having gone back. Yeah. So like if you saying that you picked it back up and enjoyed it and like, I've heard it's gotten better since all the updates that they've added, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, like I, I would play it if I had it ready, but I got rid of it and I'm like, no, that's too much effort than I'm willing to, like until I hear like concretely from like not that I don't yeah. trust you as a source, but like from no, multiple fine. people Whatever. that it's like it's okay. yeah, because there were just fund- fundamental issues I had with. Um, yeah, they've the streamlined a lot of the systems and made it easier to like recognize what, um, like what resources you're heading toward if you scan it. And I don't know, it's so far removed from all the negative hype and. Um, the negative attention that this game got. Yeah. Um, and I don't even really want to go into that because it's just, it's a lot is, of crap. Is negative um, hype lope? Lope. lope. Yes. <laughs> lope. All lope. the lope associated with No Man's Sky. Yeah. Uh, it, it just felt kind of <laughs> nice to like let it impress me, you know, and not yeah. think about it too critically because exactly. yeah. it was impossible to like play that game and not think about the attention surrounding it when it came out. So Yeah. yeah. That's totally um, fair. I uh, haven't actually spent enough time with Invisible Ink to talk about it much, but yeah, I I dabbled in it and I was uh, it, it, it requires a lot more attention. I yeah, think. and I, I was um, definitely in a mental state that did not warrant that kind of gameplay. Yeah. But I'm excited to dig into that a little bit more because it's uh, extremely it's interesting. Yeah, this is on PlayStation. It was yeah. free on PlayStation Plus. So yeah. uh, throughout the month of December, if you're hearing this in, in the same month, uh, and you have PS Plus and a PS4. Check it out. There's no reason not to. So. Yeah, like it. The presentation of that game is so close to being absolutely everything that I want. Like if yeah. it leaned a little bit into like a cyberpunk vibe, I would probably be just like so deep into that game. But it's yeah. kind of a like near future tech spy mm-hmm. game. Yeah, and so like it's interesting, but it's a little vanilla. Like the art style is great, but just in general, like the theme is. The theme might vanilla. be a little vanilla, but this takes the like input and uh, like gameplay of a game like XCOM that I love, mm-hmm. and actually adds more layers to it. So I'm playing oh. this the way I feel like I'd play an XCOM game. Okay, just because of how I'm like I'm used to that um, yeah. style. Yeah, but it, it it's it's a lot harder because like an XCOM, you're not trying to. I mean, you're trying to be hidden from the en- the enemies until you're ready to kill them. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of ways, you're not trying to defeat your enemies in Invisible yeah. Ink. You're trying to avoid them. And that's, that's something that I'm wrestling with just because yeah. I've played so many hours of XCOM. But no, that, that, let me give fair. it a shot. Um, yeah, my other problem with it is that, like I told you guys in our group text, is that I'm just so terrible at strategy games, like especially like yeah. the tile-based ones. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm just, that's not, just not my jam. What's nice about games like that is that it feels really tense, but not because like... I guess what I'm what I wanted to get at was like 
it's turn-based, right? So you have yeah. enough time to make all these decisions, but every... Yeah, yeah. and there's no, every, like, timer, which is nice. There's no, like... Yeah. No exactly. reason to rush it. But what I really like about that is that every tense moment is, like, your own fault, and it never really feel, feels like the game's being too unfair. It's just, like... I don't know. I, I like yeah. those games a lot. Um, what's nice is, I, I think, if you're worried about, like, making progress and then like messing up and having to restart that's kind of the point of a lot of these games mm -hmm. um i wouldn't get too invested in like the story or, or or anything like that and just know that it it's encouraged and okay to redo playthroughs cuz the levels are all um i think procedural so no two playthroughs will be the same oh, it's about I, learning you learn through failure so I, I didn't realize that that's cool yeah um and then the last i don't know how much we want to talk about it is a game called cluster truck which is like a super cool, uh, genuinely funny game. And it's funny not because it's written that way, but it's funny through its systems. Um, I guess there's no story or anything. It's like level-based arcade game, but you're on a... It's like first person, and you're trying to reach the end of a... Uh, of a, like a linear path, basically. And the only way to get there is by running and jumping across giant semi-trucks. And they're moving super <laughs> fast, and they're swirling around, and they have like the wackiest physics in the world um and by that i mean like if they run into something they'll like fling themselves up and uh i think i've heard it compared to that scene in the matrix reloaded <laughs> when they're fighting <laughs> on trucks and like they crash into each other and they like run up and jump and i don't know it's crazy um but it, it genuinely made me laugh and it uh it it, it uh it scratches the same itch that like a game for me like pac-man does where like you know, you or uh, like some endless runners where you're you're trying to compete for a high score, or you're just trying to get to the end of the level, but like you can immediately restart if you fail. So there's no time wasted between levels and run throughs, and it's just yeah. super cool. I have a couple of problems with the um with the controls, and I'm gonna try my best to explain this, but like it's all about momentum and like what direction you're facing. Uh, so you can like push super hard on the thumbstick in midair and you'll go faster um, in the direction you're facing, which makes which makes sense. But you have a lot of control over, like if you make a hard right in, in midair, you'd think that like you'd keep going the direction you jumped, right? But you can actually steer your character wow, or whatever back toward like an area. And it actually just feels really unnatural. And I know it's silly to say about a game where you're running around jumping on trucks, but I'm used to like... <laughs> In first-person games, you can't really control the direction you're going yeah. if you turn. But if you turn to like look at a place where you want to land, you accidentally it sort of feels like you sort of start gliding toward that direction a little too much. Sometimes it's a hard yeah. it's hard to like gauge where you're going to land. Sometimes. Well, yeah, and like um, it, it, that game seems really manic and cartoony, and it seems yeah, so like someone cares, fitting, right? yeah. But it's but, it's a uh, yeah, but still a, a totally valid complaint. Yeah, it but looks you can kind of like Mirror's Edge. Yeah, kind of. Um, you can also unlock upgrades. So you can do, like, first you just start out with a simple jump, but then you can get a double jump or sort of like a lateral dash. Or um, you can do, like, a slowdown mechanic. There's there's a whole bunch of fun stuff you can do. So I think I'm about halfway through the, the, the levels that already exist on the, uh, on the game. But I like oh. it a lot. It's super cheap. It was on sale on PSN. It might still be, but if you can pick it up, I'd recommend it. It's just dumb fun. Like, you just turn your brain off, put on a podcast, and hang out. It's nice. Cool. Yeah, like, 
if that's on sale, then I might actually pick it up because it seemed seemed rather spendy for like a kind of I don't want to say gimmicky, but definitely a game that no totally that has like it's, it's one hook. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it, it does interesting things to um to like introduce new. I don't know. It doesn't really ever feel like it's doing the same thing. It's so like the first yeah. it, it the first world stale. is very yeah. First world is very like run of the mill. Mm-hmm. Like it's it. This is what I wanted to say. It actually does like the the Nintendo style way of introducing mechanics, right? So like the first level is like all about jumping from truck to truck. Okay, but now what do you do if the trucks are kind of moving off to the side a little bit? You jump a little farther, or you you know you steer, and it introduces more and more challenges as the world goes on. So like world one one is the like most basic version of that world and then world 110 which is the last one will be uh like the most extreme version it's it's super cool so like and each world has different elements so one's one's a nice world um that involves a lot of jumping off of ledges and onto uh trucks that are driving below you and then there's also like a laser world and there's a medieval world that has like cleavers and um things swinging back and forth so it's it's fun it's a cool game Cool. Yeah. Who else? That's all I've played. Um, someone else want to uh, take over? Yeah, I've been playing a lot of Watch Dogs too. Great game. Uh, this week. And nice. It's, yeah, it's good. It's, Watch Dogs 2 is a third-person shooter developed by the company Ubisoft where you play as a hacker, uh, part of a hacktivist group called DeadSec, similar to Anonymous. Maybe a little more, a, a lot more fictional in that they he has a smartphone that can hack literally anyone or almost anything in the world. And mm-hmm. it, it's set in San Francisco. So as you walk down the street, you can hack people and Venmo money to yourself, basically, or uh, remote control cars and things like that. But it's a goofy, goofy little game out of the same vein as Grand Theft Auto with its own little gimmicks. And it's pretty fun. Yeah, it, it balances the like kind of like realism of, uh, of like a Grand Theft Auto, but it counteracts that with like a very strong sense of humor and identity. Um, like, like the, the game is genuinely like hilarious. Like I, f- I found myself like laugh out loud, laughing at yeah. that game multiple times. It's got a really str- like, I'd say like a strong character, uh, like that kind of trope, but like a very well written and well-rounded, like legitimately autistic character that never once is like, any kind of like stereotypical, like like he's just a punchline. Like it's a very dynamic character who happens to be like extremely autistic. Yeah. Um. Like it handles like trans characters well. It handles race well. It like balances so many different things, and uh, it's very smartly written and uh, and actually just a hell of a lot of fun too. Like, uh, I think I was. I don't know if I told you guys. It might have been in a different chat with friends about video games, but. <laughs> I you talk to other people about video games, Mike. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh gosh, what the heck. Uh, but I was playing Skyrim, and I had to go to this area of the map that I hadn't been to, and I had to go like far beyond any fast travel points I had. And I was just like, you know, I'm sick of open world games. I'm just going to put that down. And then I picked up Watch Dogs 2 and just like ran around and just goofed off. Yeah. Um, so like, even with me kind of just being really exhausted of open world games like like i still really want to go back and play mafia 3 but i'm just so exhausted with them um yeah i think i want to play mafia 3 too 
but from what I've heard, it seems like a little bit more, I feel like I'm overusing this term, but like run of the mill open world. Like it's not yeah, well, and necessarily like, doing anything super special with the genre. Well, and what I heard sure. was really great about it was its story and like, it's kind yeah. of, it's world building where you're a black man in it's like sixties, new Orleans. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, you're new Bordeaux. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like a new <laughs> Orleans like city. Um, and like, depending on the neighborhood, you'll be treated differently. Uh, like if you, if you steal a really nice car, cops are going to be more likely to come after you than if you steal like a crappy car from a ghetto. Um, right. And, so or, like, and it's also based on like where you are in the city. If you are in a poor, uh, like lower income city or part of the city and you do something bad, the cops will yeah. come much faster than, no, sorry, they won't come at all. Yeah. Uh, they don't, uh, they don't, um, pay attention much to that part of the city, but if you're yeah. in a more well-off, wealthier area, they'll, yeah. uh, exactly. So uh, and, yeah, like, th- those are the reasons the why I want to play mafia three. But yeah. yeah, but I have heard that it's just a very kind of generic, bland, open world game in that sense. So, but mm-hmm. like the world building and the narrative is supposed to be really cool about it. But um, yeah, I'm just so exhausted with open world games. But I, but in spite of that, I still keep picking up Watch Dogs and like having fun, just running around and like it's just such an enjoyable and uh, and for lack of a better term, just fun game. Mm-hmm. Like it just yeah. it just lets you enjoy it. I think that I, I, I've been enjoying the story for the most part so far. I think that the thing that the, the game struggles the most with is while it does a lot of identities very well with the characters, I think sometimes it struggles with just the fact that the whole cast is a bunch of very young, young folks and they're in their mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the interactions can feel a little bit forced and there's a really, I think, sort of oddly placed moment where they go to a music festival. Yeah. Where, I don't know if you've where they go to the, that part the Burning yet. Man like yeah thing. yeah like, i i think it's actually like kind of fun like they kind of poke fun at the characters and i like they depict the characters as like partying and being drunk all the time but like not like obnoxiously like i think like yeah i, I think it's actually like really subtle and nuanced in the way that they kind of like approach the characters and like they don't handle the age thing quite as well as they do others but for games that largely involve like like these characters are millennials and Definitely. like they, I feel like do a, a pretty good job at representing them as such without like being disparaging about it. And, and you know, the, yeah. the bar is so low to get millennials right in <laughs> pop culture. Like, yeah, it's pretty impressive that they get it as good as they do. Like, yeah, I'm so I, I agree. Tired of being marketed to as, as a millennial and, yeah. and seeing weird representations of people our age as like, you know, lazy and whatever. Mm. And, uh, it's just cool. It sounds like they're, I don't know. How often do you get to play a, a game where like you relate to the characters in that way? Like there's, there's yeah. aspects of characters where, um, you can like find something to relate to. Yeah. So but, like the, the main yeah. character is a, a black dude from Oakland who has like gotten into a lot of trouble mm-hmm. and, but, but, but yeah. I still identify with that character because he's my age and he's dealing with the problems that my generation's dealing with. Right. Like, like they make a character that, you know, despite being from a totally different background is, you know, largely someone that I can associate myself with. And the sort of the pull into the story too, is that the the main character, while he's gotten into a lot of trouble, a lot of the systems in place in the game, the political, political and like justice systems have have put him in that spot to get in trouble. And so actually like I don't group is fighting out against that. I don't think he even like, 
actually got in trouble, but like he was a suspect yeah. and then that just like went on his record. And then the whole yeah. idea is that like, there's this big, uh, like database on every individual. And like you access that in the open world where you like look into someone's phone and you see their name, their occupation, their income, and like something about them. And so the whole point of the game is like kind of trying to s- shut the system down because at least from your main character's point of view, like it wrongly identified him and accused him as being a criminal when like he was a suspect once and like the case was dropped and, but that's still like on his record and is like detrimental to him getting jobs, getting, you know, almost anything because like all of the information about him is just out there in the open, even though it's false. Like, yeah. So it's really interesting Good game. Yeah. Like Good cool. game. It's like solid gameplay. Not, nothing's really going to wow you, but actually I do think that driving is one of the best in an open world game in a long time. Because ever since ever since Grand Theft Auto Four, they try to go for like really Bodhi, like aiming yeah, for like Bode's realism. A good way to describe it, yeah. yeah. And in this, like, kind of like in the old Grand Theft Auto games, you can be like going full speed down a highway and then just like whip it and hit a turn like you would expect it to, instead of like having to yeah. like start your turn a half block out, right? And right, like drifting right. like fully around, like it. It's very fun and satisfying, and like that's been my big gripe with open world games since Grand Theft Auto Four. Um, I will say that even though I did sort of gripe on the young people, the relationships between the characters in the game, I, I can I can relate to. I, I really sort of see their intentions and mm-hmm. uh, appreciate how they talk to each other and congratulate each other. And yeah, um, it's it's good. And, it's and really like good. how they pick each other up too is really refreshing. Yeah, and, and pick on each other. Yeah. Um. Uh, you yeah. go, Mikey. That's really all that I played. Okay. Um. So I actually haven't revisited much this week after i became the pokemon champion i just, congratulations thank you um you're the first to, to beat the alolan elite four yeah you're the special one yeah, yeah. you're the special one also like i'm not gonna spoil anything and like as much of a spoiler as you can have in a pokemon game but they like since like they just build the pokemon league yeah like like they finished beating it right conveniently after you finish all the trials and defeat the the game's team but uh like they do an interesting twist on how you interact with the elite four and specifically like become the champion and how they handle that final battle like it's very interesting and like it's something that i've kind of thought about before um but yeah like it's just in general the like how pokemon sun and moon kind of buck a lot of trends and try something different is really refreshing um speaking of pokemon real quick the same taylor larson that um talked about our uh, last episode, messaged me independently and uh, just asking, because I, I think he'd be kind of a fun person to have on someday because he's su- like he's the most diehard Pokemon fan I know and it'd just be sure. sort of fun to talk about his Does he have a Pokemon tattoo? He might. I don't know if he has any tattoos, but he lives in Japan right now. I do. Cool. I have a Pokemon uh, tattoo. Bring well, it. Maybe, Bring it, Taylor. He's not as... Okay, well, you guys can fight. No, I'm, um, I'm actually like... I'm not hardcore into like the breeding and... He he was the first person I knew because we had homeroom together in high school, and he would talk about IVs and and leveling yeah. up Pokemon beyond just like their uh, exterior level, and like he was the <laughs> most into it that I'd ever that I'd ever heard of. Yeah, um, I, I have a lot of respect for those people. My old boss is one. My cousin's the yeah. person who like like he, my cousin just plays Pokemon, and he plays it all the time. Like that's the only that's video awesome. game that he plays. Yeah, and he like breeds and trains and does the IV EV training and uh like he knows like most of the Pokemon's like at least 
like relative stat levels. So like it's it's interesting. Like I I don't have that kind of mentality where I can sink myself into that, especially with like a lot of the stats being hidden from you and you just having mm-hmm. to like kind of know and keep track of independently. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I would I'm absolutely not, be down for yeah. that. And I'm not sure if he listened to the Pokemon episode or not when we talked about it more, but he, he, he asked if, uh, if you guys have been enjoying it. And I just sort of mentioned that you guys had issue with the way that it was tutorializing everything and holding your hand throughout most of the game. Yeah, basically. And it's it's, it's said, quite linear. He said, I don't even recognize Pokemon tutorials at this point. I've done them so much. And then I mentioned that it wasn't necessarily just the tutorial. It was how every, like even on the main path and well beyond the opening areas, every time you try to explore, like the game would provide some sort of excuse for Mm -hmm. staying on the main path. Yeah. That damn Pokemon in in the girl's bag would just like get into trouble again. Yeah. Or Tauros would be in the road. And those Um, have always been in Pokemon games, but it just they're yeah. disguised better and this is just yeah. so blatantly like like there's a fence blocking the mm-hmm. path and it's like nope you have to beat this trial to, for us to open the fence oh interesting okay yeah like it, it's a very blatant and it's like linear nature so and it's yeah. it's it's fine like that's my my biggest complaint with it yeah um it's like it's up i i don't know where to rank it and like before this, I knew which generations I liked the most and the least. Mm-hmm. This is a really hard one to place because it is so different that it's like, in some ways it's the best, in some ways it's not that great. Um, like I think, I think folks in the, like the really hardcore um, like Pokemon sphere may rank it as like super high, super good because you know they can look past the story and yeah. because they probably only play it once and well, then and do everything else. It actually, is one of the best stories in a Pokemon game. To be fair, like, yeah, that's like, what he mentioned too. That it was yeah. the most consistent and good storyline. Yeah, and that actually like, makes it make me want to play it more than. Yeah, because in like Pokemon X and Y, like if there's some like crazy plot, like we're gonna destroy literally everyone on the Earth that isn't uh, Team Flare in X and Y, and, and this one is like, no, like we're kind of like there's been some weird disturbances, and we're checking out these creatures that may or may not be Pokemon. And then mm-hmm. someone tries to take control mm-hmm. of that Pokemon. And like team skull is just trying to be like a bunch of just angsty kids and like, like team, team schools. Yeah. Team school is really interesting and like, like funny. Like they really like kind of highlight their incompetence. Um, and like th- they even talk about it, like, and like th- there's a lot of like weird layers of like deepness to it where like, there's these kind of subplots that are just like from characters that you just run into. Like, um, someone posted one about like this guy who died and like his Machamp saved him and like died from like sadness after he had died. And like, like, yeah, you just like talk to a character in a graveyard. Who's like at her husband's gravestone. And like, she's like, like tells this quick story and like, that's like really deep. And like, that's it. Like, there's just a lot of like really weird, deep things that they just kind of toss in there. Like, um, yeah, narratively, it's, I would say, the strongest Pokemon game. It's just the structure of uh, progression throughout the game. But apparently, there's a lot of, like, post-game stuff. Like, there's a lot to yeah. do once you become champion. Uh, and that, from, like, what, I, what little I've dabbled in is actually pretty open. So, mm-hmm. um, it might be one of those things where you just kind of put in the time to get through the story, and then there's actually, like, an open Pokemon game in there. So... Yeah. Well, I just hope that it, that the sale number, the sales numbers, and all of the um, hype that the game has got doesn't sort of act as a, 
a moment for Game Freak to sort of rest on their laurels and yeah. not really innovate on the navigation and getting around well, because the, yeah, the, the, that's the, the main not thing, good. The main thing is that the, they had the same game director for like ever. And yeah. I mentioned this on the on our on our pokey pokey episode pokey yeah. so like pokey cast. I, if anything, I think that this shows that like them trying new things and them actually like yeah. stepping out of their comfort zone. But there totally exists but... a world where they see the sales and hype around this game and say, oh, we did something right. Let's keep doing this. Yeah. Um, no, like it, it's the future games are probably going to be similar to this, especially because it was really well received on top of being yeah. uh, a high seller. So like I, I think that we'll see more new ideas than we have in the past, but n- yeah. probably not quite the jump from X and Y to Sun and Moon. Okay. Um, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, that's enough Pokemans for now. Yeah. Um, what else have you been playing? So, yeah, um, I have played a, quite a bit of uh, Burly Minute C. It's a cute little minimalist indie adventure game on, um, I think it's on PC, but I've been playing it on iOS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the game is like, it's just these three men with beards who are... Are they Burly? Uh, they are burly. Um, okay. They're sailors, and they're just like, we want to have an adventure. And uh-huh. so, like, you start on this little island, and you kind of get clues on, like, what you can go do. And then you set off in your ship, and then uh, it's a game where it loops on itself, and the point is to try to find all the possible story <laughs> elements. Mm-hmm. So, like, the first thing you do is you get swallowed by a whale. And you can choose to either stay in the whale or escape. And there's a couple different ways that you can escape. And, like, it keeps having these narrative branches that go out and like the whole point is to discover as many of those as you can so it's like the first time is probably like 30 40 minutes um mm-hmm. and each time that you progress through it'll start cutting out a lot of the the filler mm-hmm. so like you don't need to talk to the same people to do things that you've already done before to get to these new bra- branches that are farther down the line uh and it's just really charming and cute and it's written really well it's got a lot of like heart and humor to it um i think it was like four bucks this is the game we saw at PAX, right? Yeah. The okay. the game where, where like, <laughs> you go into the blacksmith's shop and, like, mm-hmm. him, like, hitting, like, a sword or whatever with the hammers is literally, like, a ding, ding sound, like, like somebody's making it with their mouth. Oh, okay. That's awesome. That's yeah. Point. Like, it's got these, like, little tiny touches and it's just really cute and charming and funny and it's a, especially because you get to it in, like, one loop's, like, 20 minutes. And so it's oh, a cool. really nice way to, like, try to play through one loop that you haven't done and like mm-hmm. trying new things. And it's yeah, like really good for a short session. Like the first time I picked it up, I played it for probably about two hours straight. And mm-hmm. then I keep randomly picking it back up for another, like run through it, a path that I haven't tried yet. So, um, um I think grace picked it up after PAX cause it was already uh, out after or at that time. Right. Um, no, I think it came out like a maybe weeks. a month ago. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh, well, Polygon did a live stream she, when it came out. I don't think she's played it yet, um, but I'm, she, I'm it, it, it is one thousand percent up her alley. Yeah, it's a very graceful game. Um, um, so yeah, yeah, I've been playing that. Uh, I finally started playing Oxenfree. I think I'm mm-hmm. close to the end of it. Like another game that's just written extremely well. Uh, yeah. the, the art style is like totally up my alley. It's mm-hmm. like kind of realist like it's not super cartoony it's got like a kind of drawn presentation to it mm-hmm. and the characters kind of have like a 
I don't want to say cell shaded because it doesn't have the same shading thing, but that kind of style. Right. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. like the way that the 3D models interact with a, a 2D plane is really pretty and interesting. And then it's, uh, it's another adventure game that's it's dialogue driven. So you go through and you keep making these dialogue choices that uh, change your interactions with different people and your relationships and, you know, decide how you progress through the game. And like, there's a couple small puzzles, nothing really hard. It's more of like, a, it's it's a, another kind of somewhat linear experience. Like there are a couple branching paths, but there's no like necessarily like discovery to it. It's like, it'll give yeah. you a path and it's a really good game to like kind of engross yourself in and like, Ooh. like you're on this Island trying to solve this mystery um, of like, might be ghosts, might be some kind of weird haunting, might be the paranormal. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really cool and inter- interesting and turns into like a pretty dark game, but it's all about yeah. like this girl dealing with the death of her brother and, um, her new relationships and her old relationships and, uh, growing up and it's got all these great narrative elements, but, um, you move really slowly through the game mm-hmm. and you reach a point where it's like, okay, we can either finish the story or we can go off and find all these, uh, like extrastitial things that'll like pad the story a bit more and give more context and explain a mm-hmm. bit more of what's going on. Or you can just do the, uh, the critical path and get from beginning to end and, uh, not get too into the weeds on it. Uh, it's really fun, but yeah, the, the way that you move so slowly really uh, turns me off in trying to go and do all these extra things. Otherwise, I'd be 100% about discovering all these like extra little story snippets because it's really interesting, uh, really pretty, really well-written. But just, yeah, the way you move through the world is really kind of slow. Like, I'll just hold the stick over and check my phone whenever I need to go across like this big like empty trail to a new spot. So... Yeah, it's got one its... thing. The one thing yeah. I've heard about um, that when it was coming out, uh, I think Nick Robinson from Polygon was mentioning how they really nail dialogue. Yeah, like um, how like more than just it being really well written and acted, the way that like so many times in games when you're like listening to people talk, if you walk over a tripwire, like the invisible tripwire that like mm-hmm. triggers the next sequence, it'll like yeah. cut your dialogue short, yeah. and then never go back to that line. But what I remember hearing is like, you'll be having these like really kind of weird aside conversations. You'll hit a story moment, dialogue will take over and interrupt. But then the, they might even say something like, so anyway, I was saying something like this, blah, 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 yeah. blah. And it, it just feels much more natural and, and real than, than any other game. So yeah. That sounds really cool. Especially in a game where it's all about the dialogue choices that you make. Mm-hmm. Like it flows really well where a lot of times like they'll have like a certain cadence and tone and then you say something that's like contradictory to that. And then it just like totally changes like the conversation the flow in this is a lot better like they really accounted for all the different possibilities and in, in the uh recording booth very well and yeah the cast is really strong and it's well performed but that, that's another one of my complaints is like i'll be in the middle of a conversation and like if like a lot of times when people are talking i just stop like mm-hmm. let my character stand there so i can like take everything in because i don't want it to be interrupted and potentially lose like a bit of story because i did that really early where you figure out um, like a bit of your stepbrother's past who's with you on the island and I accidentally triggered something and like apparently has like uh, said previous brushes with the law 
and I accidentally s- skipped that whole conversation, so I don't know what exactly like he did. Still, yeah. I just know that he's been in trouble before. Um, hmm. But it's really cool. I, I got it on sale also, and had it for a while, and finally got into it because everyone was raving about it this year. And it's largely been great. But I, I, it's a game that I would want to like fully invest myself in and like find out all this mm-hmm. extra stuff. Um, uh, did you, you have like the dialogue for it? Yeah. Um, they also did created the iOS app game for the TV show Mr. Robot. Oh, that's right. And so, cool. if you two want more of that really good dialogue, you should watch Mr. Robot and then play the iOS game. It's yeah. like two dollars. I still need to watch cool. it. Me too. Good show. Um, hey, as a quick aside, um, uh, you guys don't care if we run a little long. No. You guys have anywhere to be? Yeah, okay. I, I've been thinking about that. Like I've been trying to monitor it, but um, we've been. I think this episode is going for about forty right now. But yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm cool. Just talking. Yeah, about no, it, yeah. It, it's been a, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah. Um. um so the last like game the I played that somehow everybody's fucking in love with, and I yeah. do not understand it. Um. <laughs> I started playing Let It Die, and yeah. it is one of the most uninspired, boring, and like poorly constructed games I've ever fucking played. Hey, and this I let, isn't the hot take section yet, buddy. Uh, well, I'm That's talking about what I played. Um, yeah, like you, you saw the thing that Austin Walker tweeted about, like level design, and how like um, no, actually, um, oh, he, he, he like I think I retweeted it. If mm-hmm. um, if my, I think That'll my timeline's shorter than his. Yeah. But uh yeah, it just kind of this thing where like four like quality levels of design where like this is what you'll sketch on your like notepad that it makes no fucking sense in an actual like in design philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um like a beginner design is like where you have like square rooms attached to hallways and then like it pro- progressively gets more complicated in the next two steps and like the final step is like you have these like cool like um like dynamic rooms that actually like kind of take practical knowledge and um and human design and the effect and like you think rationally about how worlds are constructed and it's like yeah this is how titanfall works and uncharted works and um like they equate like the beginner level like this is what a quake game is like and that's what let it die feels like in its worlds um and you're pretty much going from like bland either circular or square shaped room like clearing out the enemies going down a hallway to the next one uh, it calls itself a hack and slash roguelike, but it's not a hack and slash game at all. It's uh, closer to Dark Souls and what it's trying to do with combat. But what makes Dark Souls great isn't about it being hard and you getting your ass kicked a lot. It's about mm-hmm. having this fair system that you have to pick up and learn, and you have to figure out enemy uh, like their patterns and the way that they act and respond to you. And this game is more about like like all the enemies basically have the same attack pattern where it's like, I'm going to do two swipes and then be exhausted for a minute. Then I'm going to do two more swipes and be exhausted for a minute. And it just gets really tedious and tiresome. And like, there's not a whole lot of strategy to it other than like stepping back and then going forward a little bit. And everyone's trying to compare it to dark souls, but dark souls is very well crafted from a gameplay perspective, from a thematic perspective, from a world building perspective, and Let It Die feels like a sad combination between like Dark Souls, No More Heroes, who it's the same developer as No More Heroes and Killer Seven. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and then also like a bit of Dead Rising in the way that you try to like 
take things and make new things and you're kind of just mindlessly destroying like these zombie like enemies and it's interesting in the tone it's trying to go for but it's like this like Suda 51 does like this weird like eccentric kind of dark Japanese tone and it's it's, it's really hard to pin down like but if, if you are familiar with Suda 51 games at all it's pretty much what you'd expect from him mm-hmm. and it's got a lot of text trying to explain all the systems to you like it'll have these like little balloons with like a letter attached to them like hovering and you go pick it up and like there's a, a couple pages of tutorial and then like every five minutes you'll get, you get like a little in-game notification like oh you have an email and it's just mm-hmm. like the the skeleton on a skateboard um who's your, your sidekick called uncle death or something like that uncle death yeah <laughs> and like He's just being like, oh, cool, you defeated your first hater, which is uh, whenever you die, your corpse gets reanimated as a tough enemy, and they call them haters. And it's just got so many dumb things that does. I'm getting a lot of notifications, I'm sorry. Throwing my phone away. Um, Yeah, the combat is boring. The the inventory system is shit. Like, it's free to play, and you can pay to get a better inventory system and not have to play through the levels after you've been killed. Yeah. Like it's very much designed to like if you want to get any enjoyment out of it and have this game be remotely rewarding is like you need to buy the like month long pass to it, which I don't mm-hmm. even know how much it is, but like I was just so fucking like mind numbed by this game. Oh. It was such a mm-hmm. like I played it for like four hours and I was desperately wanted my time back. Like a good hour, hour and a half of it was spent reading. And huh. like it's not like Fallout where I can just go around and like go on a computer and like read all the stories of like this weird elementary school that I stumbled upon. It's just like trying to explain like the really weird systems that this game has and nothing really makes sense. It's over the top and not a very exciting way. And I, I don't understand the hype other than you don't have to pay anything for it. Those pseudo 51 games are definitely for a certain type of person and it's definitely not me. I don't know. Yeah. I, I like No More Heroes. Like uh, the, that one was like the only one that I played and kind of enjoyed. Yeah, and I like Killer Seven. Been, I don't know. Like I think I liked Killer Seven, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. like I, I don't necessarily care for his like weird like fetish. I don't like how he fetish fetishizes. I'm sorry. Fetishizes. Yeah, it's it's still early. Uh, <laughs> it is early. But yeah, I don't like how he like his depictions of like women and like otaku culture, especially in No More Heroes, like. You get kind of a vibe in that. And your mm-hmm. characters in the game are literally like, uh, what are they called? Like soldiers or something? Like they take a human who's like hooked up Matrix style into this like incubation chamber and just take him oh. out. And it's legitimately just like a sculpted man or woman in like generic huh. underwear. And it, like it's like, it, it's just so bland. And it, oh God, I hate that game so much. And I, I <laughs> haven't actively hated a video game in so long. Like yeah. even though I I did not enjoy my time with No Man's Sky, I didn't hate that game. I fucking right. hate Let It Die so much. Hmm. Like I, I haven't felt this way about a game in such a long time. At least you didn't spend any money on it, right? Exactly. So, but I well, I, I, I uninstalled the Handsome Jack collection for it, which I know Ooh. that you guys are really upset about that I had to get rid of Borderlands. <laughs> I know you guys love that series. Uh, uh, Borderlands. Let's move on. Okay, that's, not, that's too bad. I might try it out just because. Um, yeah, I, but it's by all free. means, try it out. Like, yeah. it's like 
I forget how many gigs it was. It's a pretty hefty download, but at least try play it out. Games. I, I just, play bad games. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I did not enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I played, I'm going to move into my topic. Okay. It's been steaming for a little while. Yeah. Uh, so, ugh. Grace and I play almost every single Telltale game that comes out, with the exception of Minecraft. Um, and I don't think that we're normal for doing that. I think most people... Well, first of all, Telltale makes um, uh, point-and-click adventure games, but they're very light on interaction. It's mostly just um, trying to like get the story. Yeah, it's, episodic. It's, it's like an interactive story. Yeah. It's like light puzzle solving. Um, and I think that most people... And there's no data that I've seen to back this up. Most people probably just buy this, the the series that they're interested in. Like, like if you're a Game of Thrones fan but not a Walking Dead fan, you're only going to play the Game of Thrones Telltale game. Like, um, but we started with um, Walking Dead, and that's like how we kind of started bonding and hanging out. And that's a really important game for our relationship. I think it's really cool. Um, and then we've played every single one that's come out since. And they release like two a year. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to let that color my experience with these games. Right. I play them all. And um, I want to avoid talking about like the same things that people talk about with these games in that they it's the same game each time. That's kind of a tired comment. It's, it's their bread and butter. It's fine. I actually don't have a problem with that it being um, the same way. I don't have a problem interacting with each game the same way you do with the one previous. Um, I also recognize that they, they do put out a lot of games. Um, but like I said before, not everyone plays every single one. Mm-hmm. So uh, we started playing Telltale Batman when it came out and we've played through four episodes. We finished the fourth one this week. Um, and I think that I, I don't know. I'm probably just sick of them, right? I think I can see through every single, uh, every single game. Like I, right. The this is also an, a, a very common complaint is that the choices that you make, the, the the games are advertised as being very player driven. Like you make life or death choices um, at like key moments throughout each episode, and they happen you can predict when you're about to make another one. Um, well, and yeah. And then after you make one, like there's a setting for it, but yeah. like by default, whenever you make one of those like really important situations, they're like, Alfred's going to remember that. Well, so in, in episode one of the walking dead or season one, you gave, there's an option to turn it off. They've since, for whatever reason, removed that. Oh, I didn't thing. realize that. So now really, no, no matter what game, no matter what game you're playing, you will see. So-and-so will remember that. Yeah. Um, Ugh. And I turned it off when I played season one of The Walking Dead because I thought it was more, uh, I felt more attached to the story. Yeah, because, of that. because then, then like you're expecting later on, it's like, oh yeah, like Charlie. Yeah, that's your expectations. Yeah, exactly. he, like, he's gonna be pissy later that I, or yeah, like when like whenever you have the chance to save like that dude, that guy's son, Duck, or not. Oh, and, yeah. And he's like, like Earl's gonna remember that. Yeah. And so, yeah, and it's just yeah. like, okay, yeah, he's gonna bring up his son in the next episode. Cool, got it. Right. Right. I think something that's really important about what you're saying too is when you play your first Telltale game and it's based off of some some TV show or or 
fiction that you're really invested in, it feels like a really novel concept. Yeah. You are interacting with actual characters from Game of Thrones or from or people that you're that you really have grown to like, mm-hmm. like in the Walking Dead game. Mm-hmm. But once you start playing three or four of them, you start to realize how much or how little impact you really have on the world and the story once it gets toward the end. Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I think my problem with it is the problem I have is with most games that have some kind of karma system um, where it's like you're either making a good choice or a bad choice. And I feel like Telltale more and more keeps stepping in that direction. Where in the first one, you could definitely be like middle of the road on a lot of things in the first Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, and in Batman, I feel like I'm making the right decision or the wrong decision. Well, you're either making like the Batman's an asshole, violent asshole decision or the Batman's a detective decision. Yeah, like there's one where it's like, do you want to like brutally beat this man to death in front of a camera or do you want to just have him be arrested? Like, yeah, it, it's not as... It's not as clever, I think, as, they, as yeah. they want it to be. And you know what? The more I'm talking about it, the more I realize that my problems with it, with the Telltale as a whole, might just stem from Batman in particular. Because yeah. I had a lot of... Um, I was not super excited to play it, as, as big of a Batman fan as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually surprised me in the first couple episodes with the risks. It was, you know, quote-unquote risks. Every Batman game you play has the same... Like, it draws from the same inspiration. It uses the same characters. It has the same backstory for everybody. It doesn't really deviate much. Um, But this Mm -hmm. one actually took some risks with, you know, who Batman's parents were in relation to Gotham and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the relationship to uh, certain characters. Um, And I thought that it was going to be sort of like a, um, just real quick, I thought it was going to be a uh, kind of a more small self-contained story with new characters and as you keep playing through the episodes, they keep introducing more villains. And it's the same problem yeah. that every Batman game has where it's like, just fucking pick one. Like, well, make tell a story about one bad guy mm-hmm. without having to introduce everybody. I feel um, like that's something Telltale does a lot where um, in like Game of Thrones, it's like, oh, this episode we're going to have uh, Ramsey Bolton. And then on this episode, we're going to have Marjorie. And yeah. like... In Borderlands, it was like, oh, we're going to have this playable character. And then next up, it's like, oh, we have this character from the series. And like, yeah. Uh, in Walking Dead, it was like, oh, Glenn will be here this time. Or the guy that has the farm, Herschel's going to be in there this time. And like, yeah. I feel like that's something that Telltale just in general has a problem with. But yeah, uh, I might agree with that. But going um, back to the, the story and like the thing that's great about comics and like why a lot of people I actually kind of hate comics is that like who a character is is totally dependent upon that individual story and whoever's writing them yeah. where sometimes Batman's this like hard grizzled badass. Sometimes he's a little more silly and campy. Um, and that's what I kind of, and I have only played the first episode, so I can't say for certain, mm-hmm. but like, um, I like that. It's like, Oh, like, do you want to be like more of the dark Knight returns, like really brutal Batman? Or do you want to be like, um, like more strictly non-lethal and like, I wish you could straight up be like, do you want to kind of be campy Batman or do you want to yeah. be hard Batman? Like, well, I, I do like how it lets you choose between like solving situations as Bruce Wayne or yes. going in as Batman. It, it does feel like there is a, and it's totally dependent on, on who you are, but it feels like sometimes there might be a more appropriate situation to be Batman or Bruce Wayne. Yeah. But then you, you then you realize that like, it doesn't matter. Like, no, cause at the very end you're going to get the same story. Like that's just what happens with all these games is, yeah, it's a really clever trick to make you think that, um, 
I don't know. It's not about the yeah. destination. It's about the journey. I get that. And I think that's true in a lot of ways, but I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see through it a little bit. Yeah. Because no matter what, you're going to have to run to uh, Oswald Cobblepot in the next episode and he's going to have largely yeah. the same plot that he, you mm-hmm. know, that he would in the other version of the story. Like no matter what, like you can only deviate so far from the path because no matter what, they have the same yeah. climax, even though if something different happens during the climax, it still has to eventually reach that point either way. Mm-hmm. The other and, thing, um, is that there are, and people talk about this a lot too. I, I, I'm tired of making the same complaints, but like they said uh, with this game that they're going to update the engine and it's going to run yeah. smoother. And, <laughs> They've and been saying I don't that know since what you're, no, I know. And I don't know what your experience was, Mikey, like the game looks and runs a little bit better, but there are times in episode one in particular that like the sound would cut out for certain um, I'm playing on PS4, by the way. I'm not sure yeah. if that makes a huge difference or not. But like, there would be a really high intensity action scene, and like, all of a sudden, all sounds but Batman's footsteps would cut out. So all you're hearing is footsteps, <laughs> yeah. or like you wouldn't hear punches land, or you wouldn't hear things would be <laughs> delayed. Annoying. It and you know, like I can forgive things like that, but I think this goes back to the problem where like the, the experiences with a Telltale game vary wildly from franchise to franchise. Yeah. And I'm not saying they should have the same writers on each one because each franchise is going to require a different set of skills and blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know. The only one that I really enjoyed in the last couple of uh, entries into their their milieu is the Borderlands one, which is surprising because I hate Borderlands. But they actually, they, that one was funny. It played with, it, 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 your experience with past Telltale games gave you an edge in this one because it played with their format so well. Mm-hmm. I think it like subverted some of their some of their tropes that they've established for themselves. Yeah, and that had like a sense of self awareness that I thought was really refreshing for Telltale games. But everything else has just been a little bit rote. Yeah, know. well, that, that universe is so broad and silly that like you can take so many different approaches with it and. Right, like, and when you look got, at Borderlands, they, they've added story in the main and main games, but they're, it's not really about that. So, like, they had no. a lot of freedom to sort of tell whatever story they wanted, which is nice. Yeah, and like, there are very few like identifiable characters that you need to like truly like respect and like mm-hmm. like no, like this character needs to do this thing and they need to act in this way. Like, you have Handsome Jack, and then I think that you have Handsome Jack, Claptrap, and then like Tiny Tina, who are like pretty much the only characters that are widely recognizable from the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you're not really like stuck to anything. And I think the only franchise, uh, that they've done other than that, where they had that freedom was Wolf Among Us. And I think that that is probably still their strongest I think entry. Their strongest one. Yeah. And I mean, I think they had a lot of weird freedom with Minecraft too, making it yeah. a voiced narrative, but I never played that one. So I can't say yeah. anything about it. Yeah. I liked Game of Thrones. I, 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 did, I did too. And I know that I'm, no in the minority on that. <laughs> that one's bad. I, I just it, it just felt it was like it was like candy. Yeah. It, yeah. it didn't really have any substance. I knew that everything in that game was gonna have absolutely zero effect on mm-hmm. Game of Thrones mm-hmm. as a as a work of fiction. But I liked the Foresters. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. for season two. No, it's just yeah. one of those things where it's like, oh cool, I I'm even if it's like non uh non canon, like I'm still getting another corner of the universe and like it came out like right at like peak like just pure hype of yeah. game of thrones like we're right now everyone's still watching it but it's like past the hype phase and just like everybody's into it it's like um, watching an if, old pet <laughs> yeah if, if that makes any sense like everyone's still super into game of thrones and loves it but it was still in that era where like you're still bringing in new people to the franchise because mm-hmm. i was like 
three years ago. So that would have been like oh, season. I think it was less than three years ago. It was two years ago. Is it? Okay. Well, yeah, that would have been like season three or four then, where mm-hmm. like you're still building a lot of things and yeah, um, still bringing people in. Right now, it's you know it's in the final stretch. So right now, everyone's just kind of buckling in for the end, and the people who have been there for a while are there and ready to write it out. But you're not really bringing in too many new people at this point. So it was right around that time where it's like, yeah, just give me as much Game of Thrones as you possibly can. And it, I think they staggered it. So like after the season ended, they started releasing yeah. the episodes of the game. And so then it like, it was a nice way to like coat the off season for the show. Yeah. Um, I'll call it right here. If, if HBO is happy with Game of Thrones is telltale game, there's going to be a Westworld one. God, I, I see. I sincerely they- hope so. Like that would be kind of cool. Um, I would like, especially that. if you could like do your like you're just in the park, like yeah. like have a little bit of that like um of like the crazy no spoilers, but yeah, you know, of like the, the crazy like behind the scenes like um and like real like sincere questions. But I think it would just you know I know Telltale wouldn't be so shallow as to just like oh no you're like spending a day in the park. But like, yeah. I would honestly be about that. Like, and that would open. Like, if they could somehow do that and create a better branching path, because that, you know, it's supposed to be like an MMO where it's like you you go in there and there's so many different things you can do. And like, if they kind of tried to do that approach, I think that could actually succeed. Yeah, you know, I've gone back and forth on this podcast about like how much interaction I want from games like Telltale or Firewatch or these like narrative experiences. You know, mm-hmm. um. The other thing that I'll say about Telltale Games is like if you go back and play season one of The Walking Dead, there was definitely more interaction. There's more puzzle oh, yeah. elements. And they've since become, like you said at the beginning of this topic, like interactive stories. Mm-hmm. And and that's fine, but I I'm tired I'm I'm kind of and, and I don't know, I think it's still well, well written. Yeah. But I I do miss like challenging my brain a little bit. Okay. Yeah, you you could explore in the first season where it's like you yeah. go through the kitchen and like you like look through drawers and you start piecing stories together and in the first episode of Batman, like I like when you're in that big party, like mm-hmm. you kind of walk around and I was like looking for something to do and it's like nope, the only thing you can go do is walk over to the to this person and talk yeah, to, yeah. to the guest you're supposed to talk to and then that triggers yeah. a long cut scene where you're just making dialogue choices for the next fifteen twenty minutes. Right. Yeah, and, I, I struggle with those games like that because then you you want to explore, but you don't know what where that that ma- imaginary tripwire is that will stop you from or pull you out of that. Yeah, moment. and that was and, my problem with Oxen Free, where it's like, but and, and that it's because I was so engrossed that I didn't want to miss out on story. Mm-hmm. And in this, or like you're kind of just grasping at straws for some kind of, you know, something else. And I guess yeah. if this was just an interactive story, I think mm-hmm. I'd be okay with it. But yeah. there are there are moments in Batman where they like give you a little bit more control to to like wander around and piece together clues or whatever, and it's so bare bones and simple yeah. and not challenging that it's almost insulting. Like yeah, like and, and the, I'm the, not, I don't know. The only things that you can check out are solutions to a puzzle. Like I'm thinking of yeah. that crime scene in the first one where it's like there's like six things out there and you need to like six things that are three pairs. You yeah. need to I- identify. You link the two, two items up. together and you can figure yeah. out what happened. Yeah, but, but there's the there's like no wrong them. answers. It's just right answers that you have to get in the right order. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's it's very, uh, I don't even want to say like insulting, but it definitely like kind of undermines 
the intelligence mm-hmm. of the player. Right. It's just sort of like if you're going to include interactive story stuff because you feel like it has to be a game, like make it good. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, I just feel bad because like there's obviously hardworking people cranking yeah. these things out. And their release schedule has gotten way better because like yeah. in the past you'd wait three months for an episode. Yeah, it's it's more consistent. And like I still think that the story, like the story that I've seen so far in Batman, is interesting and good. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, like and also probably like their prettiest game, but not their best. Yeah. Um, I will say, sort of as maybe like a, a silver lining of this conversation um, to to relate it back. If if you all want to try out a maybe a little bit more of a fresh Telltale experience. Um, the Mr. Robot game was developed in partnership with Telltale and the Oxenfree Studio, nice. and I think it's it's a little more of that like um, of that just sort of story mm-hmm. that you get to pick dialogue for. There's a little bit of there's there are like a couple little like hacking mini games on your phone, and it feels like you're actually using an interface on a phone, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But I think it's sort of it's it's a really good little. Uh, yeah. A palate cleanser of some of the other Telltale how, stuff. How much of how much of Mr. Robot do you think we should watch before we play that game? Just season one. Yeah, like I, from what I hear, you just need to watch season one, anyways. Cool. Yep. Um. I, I just I hope they figure their shit out before Guardians because if that's bad, I'm going to be so upset. Well, yeah, Guardians oh. of the Galaxy has the op- has the potential to be similar to Borderlands, in my opinion, where they can yeah. kind of play with their own tropes and maybe create something unique. Yeah, no, I, but, they've the Guardians of the Galaxy have been one of my favorite comics since like since I started reading them in about like two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Um, like the look at you, you little Guardians hipster. I know, like no, like I remember like at like having a conversation at work, like like they can't cast Star Lord, like there's no actor that can like do the charming Han Solo and also the really kind of smarmy uh, Peter Parker in costume, mm-hmm. like sarcastic attitude, like. Like that's how it always described the character as Han Solo meets Spider-Man yeah. um, in terms of personality. And then like, I remember being at work and like one of my, like I was a, I think I was a manager at that point at, at the restaurant I was at. And like one of the servers comes in off their break and like, like, Oh, Hey, did you see that they cast uh, guardians? And I was like, who is it? And they're like, Chris Pratt. I was like, nailed it. Perfect. I was wrong. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Like I, but so it, it, I've always had that like, feeling of like please don't fuck up guardians and like the movie was so good and the trailer for mm-hmm. volume two looks fantastic as well but i always have that in the back of my mind like like just do guardians right like that's the one thing that i need them to nail for me and like so far it's been great and i'm actually really happy that it's like such a big success like mm-hmm. where a lot of times you, you want to be like oh well i liked it before and like this was my thing before i'm like yes please everybody like enjoy guardians as much as i did yeah like I just hope they bring in Cosmo because Cosmo and Rocket are a really good duo. Cosmo's a talking dog. You're a talking dog. Yeah, um, he, he was actually in the first movie as a cameo, but yeah. Oh, cool. Um, any other topics, my boys? Yeah, that so one ran a little long, but yeah. it, it did. That's fine. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys about delays because a game that's been delayed for quite a while finally came out, with, uh, mm-hmm. The Last Guardian, and. Which yeah, I, I'm Final excited Fantasy to play. Came out within the same True. month. Yeah. You know? um, no, absolutely. And I, like, while we, like, had a pretty good discussion about the one negative um, take that we saw on Last Guardian, like, a lot of people that I've seen on Twitter just, like, are enjoying the little moments of that game so much that I mm-hmm. really actually want to pick it up and play it. Uh, yeah. But, uh, listening to 
certain people talk about it makes me more interested. I, the first review yeah. I read was Polygons, which gave, was a little bit harsher on it than a lot of others. Yeah. Um, and then actually on this week's Rebel FM, um, Arthur Geese talks about how like uh, he's been reading criticism of people that he thinks would, quote, not let the Ueda magic wash over them. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's really good. It, it, you know, aside from like controls and camera stuff, um, I think I might actually be interested in it because I. Me too. I really like, liked Shadow of the Colossus and actually played it when it came out on, on each on the HD re-release when I was in college, and I like still really dug it. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, no, yeah, like Steve Gaynor like posted a few thoughts. I think just like super briefly, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, like usually when Steve Gaynor likes something, I'm like, okay, this at, at the very least is something I should look deeper into playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like I'm, I'm really excited to pick that up, but yeah, that's finally here. Um, mm-hmm. persona five has been pushed back so many times now, like it got pushed, I think from this holiday to Valentine's day and then got pushed back again to like April or may. Yeah. Um, the game that I'm actually really anticipating that keeps getting pushed back is the, uh, like re-release of read only memories, which is now called, uh, 2064, uh, read only memories as an acronym. Mm-hmm. So 2064 ROM, um, yeah, like, cause like we were talking also about that game where mm-hmm. you tried playing it and weren't really super into it, but, uh, I played it for the first time at PAX and it was this newer version that has a voice cast and has, uh, I think updated music and actually like more story content in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and for context, it's a point and click adventure game set in this pixelated, uh, cyberpunk near future. And it doesn't have like the dystopian cyberpunk. It's just like a, it's a lot more like realistic possibility of a future where, you know, we're like, we're just having like these debates about like sentience and AI and um, augmenting yourself with technological enhancements. And it's, yeah, not quite as extreme of a take on cyberpunk as like Akira or Ghost in the Shell or anything like that. It's a lot more kind of modern and relaxed. And it was created by the people who do, um, Gamer X, the yeah. LGBTQ. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a partner of them. I think some of the people from uh, Gamer X are developers on it, but like it was kickstarted as a game that was like in- intended to be made as a socially uh, inclusive game. So like at the forefront, it asks you what your uh, your pronoun is, your preferred pronoun, and it's got a bunch of different options, and then you can even just write in your own. Um. Hmm. And it's got a lot of queer characters in it and like it handles them really well. And like that, that's kind of the intention of the game. But I think that it's a much smarter and deeper game than that. Um, but yeah, so I, I played it at PAX with the voiceover and then I bought it there cause I had it on sale for like six bucks when it's normally like 20 and it's going to come free with the update. Like with the update, it's going to come free with the new content and uh, voice cast and stuff. But I tried playing it when I got home in the like vanilla version of it. Mm-hmm. And I know that you weren't impressed with the game. And to be fair, I honestly wasn't when I played it without uh, the updates. Yeah. So I, I'm, I can't really speak to its quality. I played for five minutes and it's just the whole, like um, the way you interacted with the world wasn't really my, my thing. I, see, I, I don't know. I, I, it, it feels a lot more like an old school point and click adventure game from like, yeah. uh, from like LucasArts. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very much like a, like, it's better than NES quality, like pixel art, but it's kind of a, a similar feel, like a very yeah. rudimentary pixel art, but still I feel very charming and 
very distinct in its visual flair. Uh, but yeah, like the, the voice cast adds so much to it cause it's, it was very well casted and like your main partner who's like the brunt of the dialogue in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's supposed to be this really cute character and it doesn't quite come on as well as whenever the voice actor is doing the character. So I'm like, re- like really anticipating that game. Cause I know a lot of people love it. Um, people were crazy about it. I think it came out last fall on PC. Um, and then when the new version comes out, it's being produced by Sony and it's going to come out on, um, oh, PSN as well as on steam. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. So I'm really excited about that, but like, how, like what do you guys do to deal with delays? Cause um, another big one is like apparently Zelda's not going to release with the s- switch in March and oh yeah so I, I don't know appa- huh. for, for me like usually when a game gets delayed like uh, between like three and six months I think that's usually pretty good but mm-hmm. then I think about I don't know if I'm excited for it already I I kind of like anticipate what it's going to be like to play it in the month that it was announced to come out does that make sense like yeah it's it's already slotted in my brain for that point in time. Same. So like, like when it when it finally comes out, I'm actually like less excited for it because like oh I was supposed to play this. Yeah. You know but I felt that way I about Uncharted with, Four. Um, yeah, and that's how I was with uh, No Man's Sky because that was supposed to come out in like June and then it got pushed back to like August. Right. So it was, yeah. it was gonna it was supposed to come out like right when I finished school like so mm-hmm. I was gonna graduate and I was like cool I'm gonna have all summer where like you know I'm looking for another job but largely just kind of unwinding and relaxing from years of school finally being done. Yeah. And then like, I didn't have it. And right. so it was just kind of like, like when it came out, like I was, you know, kind of like, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. So yeah, it, a little bit and different. It's, it's tough situation. to know about, it's tough to know how much of that is like, you know, the game not being what you want it to be. And also like it came out later than you wanted. Yeah. Um, so like, I, yeah, I don't know. For me, I'm, I just sort of, I think I see delays as a positive thing in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. I know that the game's probably going to be better because of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. taking the, the exception of taking what? the Miyamoto mentality, where uh, like a, a bad game is, or uh, it's a delay is temporary, but a bad game is forever. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the games like Persona or The Last Guardian or Duke Nukem Forever, mm-hmm. <laughs> are oh, the exceptions to that rule because, not that they're bad games, but uh, by oh, any means, they might, might be. be bad games. Yeah. Sure. Um, but that doesn't happen super often, I guess, yeah. for the games that I want to play. Like, Breath of the Wild will come out. Exactly. Um, no, like, I'm going to buy a Switch Day 1 regardless. Um, yeah. But, but apparently the I launch might. game instead of Zelda is going to be that Mario game that they teased in the advertisement. Hell so, like, like, oh no, I have to play this Mario game? Instead of Zelda, <laughs> oh man, I guess. So the, to me, yeah. there's like a distinction between a game that gets delayed for ten years, like The Last yeah. Guardian, yeah. or uh, Final, Final Fantasy. Fantasy, or Duke Nukem, because I don't know. Like there are some games that get delayed, and you see so much of it mm-hmm. um, as time goes on. But like, I feel like we didn't really see that much of The Last Guardian or even yeah. Final Fantasy before it came out before this last year. No, yeah. Um, so that it's- was able to build up some more hype. Yeah, and it's like at the end of the day, I've got such a backlog of stuff I should play that it's you know I can I can wait. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's, 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 that's our that's mentality kind of how, now. Yeah, but, 
like in but junior when I was high. younger, it was yeah. like, oh, oh my god, I'm gonna die. I might even be like 16 when that game comes out. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I was with Skyward Sword because that got pushed back like two years. A lot. Yeah. Um, oh, so disappointed by it. Oh, I, it still wasn't very good. I, I actually really like Skyward Sword. It's nowhere near the best. It's I, a I liked that Zelda game up game. until it. I, yeah, I liked that game until it made me backtrack through temples. I thought that was bullshit. Uh, I yeah. just wish I could have used a GameCube controller. <laughs> yeah. That, so. I did kind of get sick of the motion controls, but for me, it was whenever you have to fight that boss for like the third time. I don't remember that, that one like big creature from the breach that comes out and like, is trying to work its way up that big pillar. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. Like you have to fight that boss three times. And like the only Zelda game that I haven't, there's two Zelda games I haven't like finished Mm -hmm. and that's Zelda two. And um, like that game, cause it's really fucking hard and I don't have the patience for it. And then uh, Phantom Hourglass, because you need to go through the same tower like every time you beat one of the dungeons. And mm-hmm. they did a similar thing with Spirit Tracks, where it's like you go through the same tower, but you just totally bypass the earlier floors of it. And right. then you just go straight to the next one. And in Phantom Hourglass, you had to retread the same uh, dungeons, and actually with the time limit. And it was just really fucking infuriating. Yeah. Like, the, the, that's the only Zelda game that I didn't beat out of just frustration of uh like retro difficult game interesting but um yeah i like skyward sword it it was yeah not a great game but it's still totally fine yeah so dealing with delays i I guess the the i just sort of deal with it like i I don't know uh, with last guardian i think i mentioned in our group chat like if this had come out two years ago or even a year ago i think it would have landed with the bigger splash um or, like, or not like a week into December. Yeah, December is a weird time. They probably thought they could own the month with with a December release, but yeah. it's it's it sort of feels like that's where people publishers send their games to not to die, but you know they See, don't expect it to do very well. Yeah, like I think the main thing is that everyone's still really into Final Fantasy because that came out also after Black Friday, um, yeah. which a lot of people are like that was a huge mistake, and like I don't know what the numbers are, but it, from what I can tell, like anecdotally, like. Final Fantasy 15 is doing just fine. Yeah, it's the press likes it. Final Fantasy is weirdly one of those franchises that it can do so poorly that like it seems like uh I guess like in terms of like the game itself that people will yeah. still still be into it. Like people that I people that yes, only play but, Madden will sometimes still play a Final Fantasy game. I guess yeah, like I'm trying to say. Final Fantasy fans are probably some of the most apologetic. Yeah. Um and that's and, why and, like and, that's why and, like and, the positive reviews for this game make me a little weary cuz some of the yeah. more glowing reviews are from people that are super well, into these games already. So who was it that was like, why do we just like totally accept all the batshit crazy stuff that you're doing in Final Fantasy? It's just like, like everyone's just really casually like, oh yeah, it's like, you know, this teenager, you're fighting this like 150 foot Titan. Yeah. Like, and just like, f- like fending off his punches with your like normal size sword. Mm-hmm. Like, like everyone's just so ready to just like be okay with that. It's like, oh yeah, that's Final Fantasy. And I think that's crazy. Um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, and and I actually liked Final Fantasy thirteen for the most part. Um, like I, I even though I didn't finish the game, and like I, I watched my friend finish it, but I personally didn't yeah. do the last part of it. Uh, like I, I actually defended that game, so it's weird for me to call like true like Final Fantasy fans apologists since I right. constantly back, arguably like, the the most like heavily hated Final yeah, Fantasy it, game. Yeah, at the very least, the most div- divisive. Right. Um, yeah, but, uh, cause I'm trying to think of 
so I'm really skeptical of uh, delays because one of the games I was most excited about in the GameCube era was uh, there's going to be a third-person action game in the StarCraft universe called StarCraft Ghost. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I was so fucking pumped for that game from the moment I saw that it was announced. And it went through like seven years of being like, oh, we're pushing it back, we're tweaking it, we're doing something new with it. And like, I think they only actually like a year or two ago announced that, that, that they ceased production on it. And this was in the GameCube era that it was announced. Yeah. And it's just like one of those things that like game got pushed back so much. And like same thing with like Doom 4 and PT um, and like the, the Silent Hills. Like, yeah. like so many times there's something's like, oh, it's you know, on hiatus or getting delayed. And like I think we're at a point now where publishers will be quicker to just scrap a game. Um, Interesting. Uh, Star Wars 1313. Like yeah, that's, that's a game correct. that I would have like dropped everything for. Like that was mm-hmm. the one game I was anticipating over everything else. And then it like kind of got pushed back and ultimately it shut down because Disney bought star Wars and they kind of revamped their, the way that they do games. But, yeah. um, like, yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm just starting to quit assuming that something's going to come out and um, yeah, it's kind of exhausting. I think we're, we're all out in our lives. It's easier to like, just kind of let a game come out and then enjoy it. Right? Yeah. And you know, we follow the industry pretty closely, but like, I don't really find myself getting excited for things as much as I used to. Yeah. yeah. After like No Man's Sky, I'm, I'm going to be much more skeptical about games that are coming out. Like the exception I have is going to be with like, uh, like Mario and Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my personal one right now is ukulele. And that's specifically because it's the exact team that made Banjo-Kazooie games. Yeah. I'm um, excited about that. And like it, the, everything I've seen about it is, absolutely everything that I wanted from it. And so that, that is the one game that I'm like, yes, this is, I'm so hyped for this game. That's the one game I'm like truly letting myself like be vulnerable to. Um, but Uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm just like super hesitant about everything else, especially after, uh, no man's sky. Don't pre-order games. Yeah, that too. But Uh, they're 20% off on Amazon. If you you have prime. Yeah. They're 20% off two weeks after they came out too. Yeah. Yeah. No, like anyway, and, I, I I think this year I pre-ordered Uncharted Four, uh, Overwatch, Pokemon, and then like last minute I did that turnaround on Watch Dogs where I was like, yeah. "Yep, this is like I saw that one mission and like it's like, yep, this is what I want to what I want to play." And so like I think those are the only games I pre-ordered this year, and they're four of the ones that I enjoyed the most actually. Um, I almost pre-ordered Final Fantasy 15 because there was a $35 deal on some, on yeah, the Microsoft website. I, I almost did that too. But it wasn't digital, yeah. so I stopped. Oh. Um, but yeah, one last quick thing on uh, delays. Like, yeah. For every game that gets delayed, there is a game that totally catches you off guard that you didn't know about until it mm-hmm. comes out that mm-hmm. like totally blows you away. So I, I'm, I'm at the point where I look for those more. Like your Overcooked or your... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Cluster Truck. Cluster truck, yeah. Um, yep. I'm trying to think of the other one that was just like came out this year that was just like. Oh, you you played Deadly Tower of Monsters, which I played and I didn't care for. No, it, it was like it's fine. Like it's yeah. a good distraction and it's mm-hmm. just funny enough for me to play through and it's it's kind of mindless fun. Like yeah. and yeah. Um, uh, we should probably move on to hot takes. Yeah. Um, so, I got one that well, I just thought of that I just want to say. Okay. I've played a little bit. Uh, more Battlefield 1 the campaign and I don't think it's very good I think you're fucking crazy I think uh, <laughs> I was trying to view it through the lens that we talked about on episode 1 and 
I think that the character characterization of these people, I haven't played much, granted. I so think it's bad. Which of the worst race have you played? Uh, I played the the pilot one where he's a smart out <sighs> gambler. I, you didn't like that one? one? No. That was fun. He was like a, I mean, it was a fine campaign. I thought like the. Uh, he, he committed fraud to pilot an airplane in World War One. Yes. And like he's just such a smarmy dick about it. And like the the dude that he pretends to be is some like some dude from class, like yeah. some dude that, that comes from wealth. Mm-hmm. And like, like he actually bets to like be the person flying his plane and he loses. And he's like, Oh, well I'm just going to like tie you up and just do this anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's just so like, Console. especially for, for a game that's like so serious mm-hmm. and it's telling these like, you know, these war stories. I thought it was actually like really refreshing. Like, I don't know. That was the first one I played. So maybe the other ones are in contrast. Yeah. Are like different. J- just, but. I, I was playing it through, like, trying to compare it to, because, like, I, I got that game as, like, this is one of the, like, four first-person shooters that are coming out this year that I'm getting, mm-hmm. and so I'm, like, trying to gauge my experience on, like, whether or not I picked the right one, like, what I expect yeah. of first-person shooters, and that just subverted, like, the kind of military bro shooter vibe that I always get from games, where it's, like, I don't remember the characters, much less their names, and, like, even though in this game I don't necessarily remember the names of the characters, and yeah. I think... And that's only because you do like five different campaigns all from the points of points of view of different people. So it's hard to remember when there's so many going around, but mm-hmm. I absolutely remember the characters. Well, like I remember that dude. And I remember the, the kid that scared shitless in the tank one. I remember mm-hmm. the dude who uh, was like in this like super elite Italian fire squad who like goes in there in like an old school Iron Man suit. Like the first one he makes in Iron Man one, uh, yeah, like I, I found them all to be like really memorable, and I, I, I think you need to play more of them, especially like I will yeah. if you play through them in sequence. Like the first one is a bit more typical, um, but the way that it plays out is a lot more heartfelt and sincere than like it, it subverts it in that way, where like there, there's actually like a real human connection between these people and their progression of their relationship is a lot more natural and like they actually like go through go through some shit where they like gain each other's respect and it's not mm-hmm. just like oh well we're towards the end of our campaign so you and i are cool now like i feel yeah. like most shooters are like this one like they actually bond in a very sincere way well i'll, um, I'll give it another shot but my first take is is uh yeah it, it's a weird one to, to play yeah. the airplane one is a weird one to start with and a weird one to play uh out of the context of the others all right like I, I, I just felt like, for especially with something that's marked as such a serious and like, yeah, uh, and like gritty thing to have that kind of reprieve of this character who's like kind of, like a little smarmy, but not, but yeah, like not, yeah. not in like an antagonistic way, yeah, like in a like kind of cheap Han Solo way, right? Mikey, what's your hot take? Um, I my hot take for this week is that ice levels in video games are good. I disagree, Brian. <laughs> I like ice levels. You guys are I, crazy. So, like, the perspective that I came from is, like, in platformers, where you need some way to change the mechanics, and they always add them in. Like, they're always difficult, but they always seem to add them in later in games when mm-hmm. you're a bit more adjusted to the difficulty curve. And I feel like, in my experience, the way that they break those up when um, my experience is largely from like Nintendo games, I always feel like it's pretty refreshing. 
whenever they do that. And I, I just think that they're pretty like, like, uh, Donkey Kong games. Like the, the, the example I gave was Donkey Kong country where you go through so many like jungle environments and cave environments. And then mm-hmm. you go to the, um, to the ice and snow levels and like the particle and the effects in the super, the super Nintendo Donkey Kong games were like so great. And so ahead yeah. of their time. Like I, I just have a lot of really fond memories of ice levels and games and counterpoint. Uh, Sonic oh. Fire Nice. It just came out on 3DS. Yeah, like, but, but, but that's just Fire a bad game. Like, uh, well, the non-ice, it's got a nice level in it, so... The, the non-ice levels <laughs> in that game are garbage, too. But the ice levels, man... Are so bad. They're so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hear right. you. I hear what you're saying. I just don't. I think that, like, yeah. making you slip and slide on an ice block is usually bad. I don't know. See, I, I, but I'm... Like, we're... So you guys were talking about we were talking about Super Mario Run and comparing it to Rayman. Yeah, like I really don't like the Rayman games because I feel like the platforming is imprecise. It's more just about progression than it is about the, like the skillful platforming. Yeah, um, and that's why I like platforming games. Is like I like the skill of it, and sure. I like um, I like in Mario games whenever it's like you need to account for so many like these extra variables. Um, yeah, I I, I feel like when they're implemented well, they serve as a really nice change of pace from the rest of the experience up to that point. Well, okay. Can we, can we all agree that, um, sewer levels and tunnel levels in video games are bad. Every time they make me go into sewer, I want to stop playing. (laughs) Uh, I I think the only exception to that is last of us. But, but, but I like those. Mm. I I like the, the ones where you're down there in the, like the like sunken like subway system i don't know i have to replay it but brian what is your hot take uh i think second screen experiences are good that's when a game all of them makes your, uh conceptually okay when a game allows you to interact with it somehow with your phone i want more of that because oftentimes while i'm playing a game i'm on my phone mm-hmm. and so yeah. i like being encouraged to like use it at the same time, I guess. Interesting. Um, did you do the Fallout 4 one? Textless. I did. I did. Yeah. Yep. I talked about it at one point where I have oh, like right. the clip on my Xbox controller. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's great. That thing would work so well with so many games. Just no, giving I, us like a little map on our phone. That'd be pretty sweet. So yeah, I yeah. ordered the pit boy edition of Fallout 4. And so I actually had the pit boy. Yeah. And so I, I, it was a bit cumbersome, but I, Nerd. I forced myself to play it that way for a bit. And it, it was fun. Like I, <laughs> I agree that I like second screen experiences. Like, um, like like the 3ds and the, and I guess the original DS are largely a second screen experience in games. Like, mm-hmm. like just kind yeah. of fundamentally, like a lot of times, like it's more smartly implemented where it's not necessarily what we understand as a second screen experience. But yeah, um, no, like I, I think games like Zombie U that really kind of took that um that that idea and really made some interesting gameplay decisions out of it. Where totally where you want where you want to check your inventory, like you're playing the game on the TV screen, but if you want to check your inventory or like start looting, you need to change to the game pad that's in your hands and everything's still going on on the main TV screen in, in the world of the game. So you need to like go through this inventory and like, but keep looking up at the screen and like checking to make sure that there's no zombies that are on you. I, I think when games implement second screens, well, that they're like largely beneficial to games. All right. That's going to do it for us. It's my birthday. I have things to do. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday. 
Um, thank you all for listening to Fans of the Genre. It's a show that you can rate on iTunes, like other shows. Um, and please do. Uh, it really helps discover the show, uh, helps other people discover the show. And uh, I also want to shout out a good friend of ours. His name's Alex Vigu. He tweets at me every single time we put out an episode and says it's good, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that. You can follow him on Twitter at King with No Name. He um, he posts a lot of his poetry. He uh, also recently bought Skylanders, <laughs> the most recent one. And I don't know if he likes it or not. Um, so into this. So into it. Yeah. So um, thank you, Alex, for always supporting us and yeah. telling us about it. It's really cool. I really, I really like that. Um, and that also goes to you know Taylor Larson, who we mentioned earlier. It's nice that our friends are listening and talking about it. And the Meta podcast has been really great. Uh, you should listen to them as well. I think that they're M-E-T-A-D podcast on Twitter. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They, their most recent episode was on uh, Resident Evil 6. And uh, boy, is that that a game? Yeah, I haven't played that one. <laughs> um, yeah, 6 is... Oh my god. 6 was a game. Okay. <laughs> so they, they, they do like... Do they do like deep dives on on franchises and series right they just sort of talk about yep yeah that's cool yeah they've done zelda they've done they're doing resident evil i think they've done uh, another one or two but uh it's pretty interesting stuff and they're good friends of mine from uh high school cool go ahead and give them a listen and you can follow me on twitter at Rhodes clark uh brian is it brian t swanson mikey is it yes mikey krieger yep. um and that's you can also follow the show at fans of genre where you can send questions and feedback um, but that's going to do it. Thanks for listening. I've got birthday boy things. So. Do it. Yay. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you, guys. See ya. Bye.